Hello, Tome. Hi, Sophia. You okay? Yeah, I'm alright. How are you? Um, yeah, I'm alright. A bit stuffed, but I'm, I'm good to go. We got a food coma. Yeah, a bit, little bit of Food one. baby. <laughs> <laughs> Stomach acid's got a big job today. <laughs> I remember when that actually blew my mind um, the other day that I remember when we had that mini conversation about how human beings have acid in their bodies that they can't physically touch themselves and if we were to touch it it would yeah. burn off our I know right it's, I don't know Crazy it's just trippy like we're basically portable test tubes of with <laughs> acid in the middle of <laughs> I wouldn't put it like that but okay no like I don't know. no it's baffling yeah it's like we can't it would kill I don't know I yeah, guess no, everything in good measure it's weird but to be fair isn't it only like a teaspoon it's not much Oh, it's enough to dissolve but you know mountains joke? of food. What's, what bothers me is not that it's there. It's the fact that we produce it. Yeah. So it, we <laughs> we pro- we produce acid. Like, where's that coming from? That's the question I want to ask. Where's the hydrochloric acid being... Like, how is that? Yeah, oh, trippy. my God. Human body. Am I right, ladies? Yeah. Um. Anywho, so today... um, this is This is one of your ones that you came up with off the cuff. Yeah. Do you want to tell yeah. people? I just thought, what um, what's the word like? What what should we, what should we talk about? I mean, last week we talked about toxic masculinity, and we were like, oh, we were like really pumped to do toxic femininity, and then we tried to record it, and it wasn't like, it, I don't know, it just felt we didn't have, we weren't doing, we didn't do our research, and it felt a bit like. I know you like to say I shoot at the hip, but even for me, that was a bit like, okay, we didn't See prepare. how it feels? Yeah, all right. That's how I feel all the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so... It it's, wasn't a bad episode. It just, well, it just I haven't listened have back because I just, that's... even at the time, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if we'll have jobs after this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Um, and then I thought, okay, let's, t- let's take a minute. And then, so we've got to get something out. And I thought, why don't we do... Um, our favorite. Why do we talk about our favorite books? The things that the so, literally, twenty minutes ago, <laughs> I gave us the criteria: favorite nonfiction, favorite fiction, and the book a book that's changed your life. And now um, here you have six books in front of you. Um, no seven. Seven. Okay, so I've got I've got two. I've got how many do I have? I've got three. Three in the fiction category, two in the non-fiction category, and two in the life-changing category. And I'm just, as we talk, I'll whittle it down, okay? But my point is, is that I think it would be nice to, you know, talk about the stuff that's impacted us and, I don't know, give inspo. And if anyone has any inspiration of their own or any suggestions for amazing books that you've read, please let us know. I think this is a really cool, you know, chance to talk about books coming from someone by the way that never ever read books literally ever couldn't you couldn't pay me to pick up a book um well you seem to love it like how many books have you read this year well that's the thing i've i've i'm trying to go against my nature of not reading um and last year i really felt like oh do you know what i need to i need to get off my ass here and like actually do some reading because what it was was if i don't if if i know i won't love it i won't even bother so I, it's not like I can peruse a bookshop. 
you like we go to bookshops together and you you peruse and you have a look at the blurb you like have a little you know and then you think oh i'll pick that up whereas i'm like no 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 if, I, if it's not on like a top recommended list or on like what? classics of the <laughs> century or like something where i know it's like hard stamp co-signed by literally everyone in the world that this is an amazing book i won't waste my time that's kind of how i used to think so that's why like the books i have recommended um, a couple of them are actually from our our classics or are kind of well known for a reason almost. Do you know what I mean? I don't I don't right now have anything sort of from from the corners of a bookshop that's, you know, like my dirty little secret that I'm now telling the world or this amazing book from the eighteenth century or anything like that. These are literally like you've probably heard of them already. Do you know what I mean? I wanna kind of get better at that where I'm I'm able to sort of broaden my horizons but now that you've read quite a few books do you think you would ever take that approach of just perusing and just yeah, like I'm just giving stuff a chance yeah follow me on goodreads guys no <laughs> i think this this year i had a mission as as we've like talked about to read 30 books this year and that's becoming like it's, it's a, it is challenging for me to do that um so far i'm just i'm just behind on my I'm just about halfway and we're just over halfway on the year. So I'm a little bit behind. What was wrong? What have I done? No, I just don't touch the mic stand. Oh, sorry. He's looking at the levels. But yeah, what about you? What's what's your situation? Because I've got a pile of books here and you've got nothing in front of you. Well, I'm, I do have books with me. Oh, uh, okay. You're keeping it a secret. Yeah, I, I'm keeping it a secret. I can't see them. So he's hiding them from me. <laughs> Because I don't want you to know what I've selected. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. But yeah, no, my relationship with reading, it will be very clear when, when the selections come out. I, I don't want to <laughs> give away too much, but... What do you think about having the different categories? Well, yeah, you'll see. I, I don't want to speak because it will give away my... Because yeah, I could uh. give a little blurb, but it will give away how I approach have approached reading in the well, past. Well, let, let me not stop you... In- stop your flow let's get into it do you want to get into it yeah you go so what's your first no i'm asking you oh yeah let's get into it which one do you want to see first let's go with non-fiction okay so for non-fiction oh god he's smiling from ear to ear right now if i'm honest actually oh yeah this is a non-fiction not the life-changing so in terms of non-fiction my favorite book I'm holding the I'm wrong really, one. what's happening why are you keeping this all hush hush no my favorite book is actually it's called predatory thinking by david trott um and okay. he's like an advertising legend um and essentially what this book is it's like um it's um how to outthink your competition um and it's just a series of short stories from like different people in history different and it's like the big digni- dignified figures through to like your um like his mother-in-law, like just different people from society. And it just tells a tale about how they gained a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. And what was great is like, you learn from history, you learn from quite a wide variety of sources. Um, And essentially it's just like, yeah, how to outwit, how to one-up someone. Um, I I just loved it because it it just, it put a bit of a fire in my belly. It just, it made me um, not give in in certain situations and like, it basically helped me to think more weirdly more positively mm-hmm. but the book is like framed in the like if you was to see it on the shelf you think ah oh, this is like how a to book. be a how uh, to be a d-bag yeah how to be a grade a 
like yeah. douchebag. So, so and so. Yeah, and like, and for example, the front cover is <laughs> like. How to be a silly Billy. The front cover is chomped off. Oh, that was intentional. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. So it looks like it's been bitten off by like a it dog does. or something, yeah. And you can see it's bad. Oh, how so. clever. <laughs> and, and it's great in terms Wait, of. Give like, it to me? Yeah, in terms of being able to read it on the tube and stuff, this is the perfect book because each of the stories in there are like no more than three pages, but it's still quite a hefty book, so it takes you a very, very long time to get in. Do you want to read the blurb? Uh, okay, so I'll quickly Do you want me read to it. read it? Yeah, you read it. Okay. You've got a better reading voice. Uh, no. What do you mean? No, actually, you read it. Go on. <sighs> okay, so... So, how to... So, Predatory Thinking by um, David Trott. No, oh, Dave Trot. We're going to put all of this in the description. Yeah. Okay. So, how to outthink the competition. Predatory thinking predatory thinking is a masterclass in how to outwit the competition in ordinary life as well as business. Um, oh, okay. So, it's, it's both. Yeah, it's literally both. Okay. It's philosophy um, that has been underpinned by Dave Trot's distinguished career as a copywriter, creative director, and founder of some of London's most high-profile advertising agencies now he's, i know where you're getting this he's literally from. a kingpin okay um written in the for- <laughs> written in the form of a brilliantly lean anecdote stories um this book represents the distilled wisdom of a lifetime at the creative cutting edge um so yeah literally it's just like a i don't know like if you if so you've it's got like two a, it's stops almost on like train, a self-help book and and business book no it's not necessarily a business book it's like I okay. would put this in the same category as Sun Tzu's The Art of War. Oh, oh, shade. Because no. <laughs> you can apply it to so many aspects of life. Like, obviously, okay. when I when I initially I bought it, I knew who Dave Trott was. And I thought, oh, okay, like, let's see what this guy's Thinking it's going to yeah. be about the industry. Yeah, thinking, yeah, I was thinking, oh, this will help me get a one-up in the industry and whatnot. But no, it actually plays out in life. Like, the one that stuck with me, and I know he's a bit of a controversial figure now, um, he's talking about Churchill and how he managed to get, how he managed to convince the um, Americans to take part in the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wisdom that he was trying to impart there is that people won't take you seriously unless you have some skin in the game. Mm. Um, so in that case, so in the, in this specific case, Churchill was like saying, "Yo, America, we got Hitler over help here. A, can, help a brother can out. Can you help us out?" And they weren't really taking him seriously. So then Churchill kept going back he was like look it's getting really serious they're taking <laughs> over certain countries now france has fallen oh and like and they were still like mm, nah, maybe mm, jewish life maybe not so important ridiculous. so essentially what happened was i think it was the battle i of, hate humanity seriously <laughs> i think the battle of britain happened so when the germans tried to invade britain yeah and then that was then enough to convince the americans like, oh, okay. so you're serious okay we'll we'll come and help you you. I I um, I want to go off on one. Okay, so sorry. It was, so basically, he was trying to like say that if you if you want help from somebody, don't just like expect that they'll be your fairy godmother and do everything for you. Yeah. Um, like you've got to have some skin in the game yourself. Like you have to have made some sacrifices, and people will then take you more seriously. Yeah. It's better to see like oh some. It's it's better for somebody to see that you have a work in progress rather than just a blueprint. Got it. So, and that's just fair, one of the small... Play, man. It's like, honestly, it's a really, I'm, really I'm great book. I'm going to add this to the, to the list. And it's so, it's so easy to read. If you're an anti-reader, like I would basically profess to be. Yeah. It's the perfect book. Like, if you want to just, you know, quick digest here and there. Like, little bit got, here, little bit there. Yeah, literally. And you can flick through. You don't necessarily have to read it in order. But 
Yeah, it's great. And it takes um, inspiration from like different cultures. Like there's a story in there about doing the dishes and um, like a meeting of the minds. This guy wants to be the type that plans things out and wants to like ha- have an, a plan and organize the, the cups from the plates and stuff. And then he's arguing with his wife. Meanwhile, his um, Asian grandmother-in-law uh, just comes in, swoops in and just does it. And then he was able to like unpack that whole moment and say that in certain terms in life, yes, it's great to have a, um, have a like organized structure and a plan and stuff. But in other times, it's like, look, just, just get in there and just do it. And mm. like before you know it, the job will be done. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's wide ranging and I can't recommend it enough like I, I love that book so much and it it exceeded all expectations for me that's awesome nicely done yeah thoughts yeah i'm gonna add it to the list thank you so much for the recommendation <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so what's your one for oh God. non-fiction non-fiction um oh can i say some of the others that that didn't made it but yeah, let's do that. Okay. Let, no, I'm just thinking how's that. Let's do my favourite and then we'll do the ones for both okay. of us that didn't make it in that in the category. Okay. Right. So next up in nonfiction. Um, so I'm really I'm really torn here. I'm gonna go with um why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Mm-hmm. Where do I start? Um obviously, you know, this came out 2017 and it was popular then it's even more popular now she's since uh, Renier Dolodge the author has since won uh, since become the most the first I think is it black British person or black British woman to be on the on number one on the bestseller list Some, something to yeah. that effect I'll put I'll put the article sorry we keep fluffing this stuff up when we're trying to reference things on the on the podcast i'll put the article in the description but yeah so obviously at the moment you know this topic is uh you know i guess more more topical say and but but when i first read this uh a few years ago it was really really incredible to read because it's not just how do I explain this? I read... Here's, here's like a kind of contrast. I read White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo this year, actually. Like, I, I'm not... Wasn't wasn't all that, like, not impressive because it was just basically a chance... I've kind of had a chance to think about it. And, like, if you're, if you're interested in the topic of race, right? So if somebody is interested in that topic what you need or what you want typically you you can go down a few different avenues you can go down like the purely historical route okay I want to know exactly what happened in this country I want to know all the stuff I wasn't taught in school I want to know the historical context of why we're here today da, da, da. and then there's the, the kind of other side of it which is the lived experience like what it actually means to be how, how it feels to be black in this country or how it feels to to deal with racism and as somebody that wants to learn about those two things, you e- you either have a head start. You e- I mean, you're either black and you know the lived experience, but you want to understand your history, right? Or you're you're not black, or you're not a person of color, and you want to know both. Does that make sense? And I feel like 
like white fragility as an example is something that's just it there is no kind of context it's just basically self-flagellation it's just you're a piece of shit you're a piece of shit you're a piece of shit and you know don't ever speak again in a room and it's it feels very much like you have no you have no nothing to bring to the table um and I just don't think that's true I think that there's value if you're wanting to learn about race and wanting to to, particularly if you want to be anti-racist and be active in that there is something you can bring to the table if you know your onions does that make sense so that's kind of you and I have like debated on can white people speak up on this yeah is it their place and I've grappled with that and I feel like I've settled on the on for me at least that you know in some spaces I can be that be that voice if it's informed if it's just me speaking for the sake of then that that doesn't help the situation does that make sense yeah so why i think this book's so incredible is that she provides the lived experience and the history in perfect balance it's almost like you're you're reading her biography sort of as she graduates from uni or as she starts uni sorry and she goes through the uni experience and then she graduates and she's trying to get a job and she's she and then she joins like feminist circles and tries to be active an activist in those spaces and you know you see her trying to like become a budding journalist and trying to break into that industry and you know you kind of see racism play out in her life and she describes how she feels in those in those sort of areas but then she also provides the historical context and I think having read this it's it it just provides a holistic picture for somebody that wants to a learn about race and b be able to speak on it be able to actually know where this is all coming from um so an example being which I've kind of spoken about before about the the success rate of a, of a black boy starting in primary school and what the education sort of pipeline looks for that kid you know and how they get marked down and how you know if if their if their tests aren't anonymized they they don't get marked as well or they they have a higher rate of expulsion or suspension um you know there's all these kinds of pitfalls that kids go go through and she provides that information so it feels like and I, I feel like I've brought that up in conversations to contextualize the the lived experience of black people you know yeah. so I think that's so that's why it's just an incredible book I cannot recommend it enough it is it is selling off the shelves for a reason this is not just hype this is an amazing perfect balance between you know how really kind of getting getting to the heart of what it means to be black in this country but also providing the the, the kind of the facts the statistics the the information that you need to be able to to be active yeah I well just two things I've read the book and I loved it um it made my shortlist but I opted for others okay it was I shortlisted it for the one that's had the most impact or okay fair enough yeah um I, and I, I had a different experience with it because I listened to the audio version. Okay. So it was her actually reading the book. And it was really amazing. I really loved it. i got to say, she didn't look like how I thought she looked. Oh, really? I assumed <laughs> that she was much, much older. Um, so then when I actually saw her doing interviews and stuff, I was like, wow, you're really young. Um, I think she's younger than, than you and I. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. And yeah. Hats off to her. Yeah, genius. Um, 
And yet what I loved about it was up until that point, every time I thought about or race or listened to discussions and whatnot, I thought it always came from a you know an American perspective. Mm, so I that, think that I, I was, forgot that. That was one of the things that I really loved about that. That's so true. It's like yeah. the first British book that I've read. Yeah, like if, if it I've was, read American ones, but not yeah. It felt like genuinely, it felt like a pivotal moment. Um, yeah. And the other thing as well, I just wanted to shout um just to mention. I just realized so she's done like a, a second edition with an additional chapter. So, Excuse me. So I I don't know what that addition, and that was after the after the book like grew to prominence the first time around, not this time around. She could probably put out a third edition now as well. Mm. Um. So yeah, just a just a little footnote. There's two versions of the book. Oh damn. So there's one with an additional chapter that we both have not heard or read. Sign me up. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. And she's got the signed copy. Oh yeah, no. So I so I recommended the book to you, and yeah. then you were like, "Okay, I'll, I'll listen. I'll to listen it. to it." Because I was like, "Oh, I need to read this book. I need to read this book." And then you were like, "Yeah, I'll beat you to it." You read it on audio, and then you kindly gifted this to me, a signed copy. So it was worth the wait. Yeah, probably Thank got so up much. in value now. To be fair, well, it's a bit ripped though. Uh, I mean, I won't. I won't do that to somebody. Yeah. No, actually, I'm never. I'm never pining with that. I just told you it's my favourite nonfiction. That's never no, leaving the bookshelf. It makes it extra special that you you've got the signed copy. Yeah, I know. So yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get rid of, am I? Yeah, not true. Okay. What didn't make the non nonfiction shortlist? Uh so for me, there's another one this again, this is the the running theme with me. Um <laughs> it's called Damn Good Advice by George Lewis. Okay. Um he's an advertising um legend from America. Um, and one of he based again same similar premise of the um, what's it called to the Dave Trot book, um, just like he he put together like a series of like a hundred little bits of advice. What's Each one is name? a page long. Um, pardon? What's his? What's the book George called? George Lois. Um, damn good advice. Okay. Um, for people with talent in brackets. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he he's just basically it's it's essentially his biography or is it? It's an autobiography when the person does it themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's his autobiography, but he's distilled it down into ninety nine points, um, and it's just, and a bit Jane one. Pardon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then another book that I really loved as well that um, didn't make the didn't make the cut was um, again that's in the same one as change life changing. <laughs> uh, nah, you know what? Let's leave that. Leave I'll, it, I'll okay. mention that one in a second. Okay. Um. You, I, I thought you were going to say to me. No, I was looking over the bookshelf. Sorry. <laughs> okay, the thing that didn't make it for me was, and this is almost a cop out because it could it could go in the life changing, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you now because basically the reason why this didn't make it is that we've already talked about this twice. <laughs> oh, um, okay. A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's a book about you know, uh, all kinds of things. But the main thing that we sort of talk talk about with it is um, the concept of ego and understanding what that actually means and how to how to harness your ego or rein it in and be able to live an authentic life and actually be yourself and not be sort of trapped by the things that, that you perceive yourself to be. I don't know. We've talked, I mean, 
I think it's pretty clear it's one of my favorite books because we, yeah. we've talked about it a few times. <laughs> so I'll I'll say that. Okay. Watch his videos if you haven't already. We've talked about that. I you love, the love him so much. You just watch him. You could watch him all day, couldn't you? He's cool. You just you could watch him and just. You know laugh. what it is? He's like Bob Ross to me. Yeah, yeah. He's got that energy. It's like how are you so yourself? He's so calm. You're so and just unapologetic to like, yourself. Like you're not you're not trying to impress anyone or yeah. anything. It's so weird. It's like we're all so used to trying to keep up a front. I feel like he's mastered the awkward silence. Yes, it's never awkward for him. That's, yeah, that's the problem. It's perfect. It's just like let's just relax right now. Let's just be. Let's just be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Fiction. Okay, so now that I can say what I wasn't going to say at the beginning. So the problem with me, I feel like, is I don't really give fiction any chance or any time of day. Okay. Um, purely because I, I would like I would be inclined to agree because our bo- our bookshelf is just <laughs> Tom's section is just all nonfiction. <laughs> <laughs> I do have something, but okay, it's okay. a bit of a cop-out. But let me explain myself. Yeah. So, obviously, I feel like this is this is quite deep, actually. Um, so, obviously, wasn't born into, like, the nicest of surroundings. Uh-huh. Um, so, I always felt like there wasn't necessarily any time to read for fun. Uh-huh. Um, and I always felt like... Because to me, in my mind, reading was connected with education. Education was connected with improving your life. And yeah. Do you get what I'm yeah, saying? So a... it wasn't necessarily like a, a, pastime a pastime or a relaxing thing or yeah. something to pass the time on the train or whatnot. It was like, if I'm reading, it has it to be, be something cool. serious and it has to be something that's going to help me push my life forward. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why... Like your entire bookshelf is yeah, yeah. literally just non-fiction yeah like, and it was just I, would, I don't get me wrong I'd read I'd blast yeah, yeah, through yeah, all yeah, of them yeah. like I'd enjoy it and stuff but I felt like I, I didn't really appreciate non-fiction I mean appreciate fiction yeah um and then I had an argument with somebody like a couple <laughs> years ago because I was basically putting forward my case so I was just like nah I can't I don't, be bothered I, I don't I yeah. can't be bothered I don't rate it I'm not out here to be reading for fun. Like, it's go time. Hus- yeah. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, and then she, this person, she basically made the case that, like... Um, it was me. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> that you, it provides you the opportunity to learn from other people. Yes. And that more time than none, the, even though the, um, the stories are fictional and they're not real, it's inspired by real life yeah by human yeah. stories yeah yeah because obviously when i'm thinking when i grew growing up when i was thinking about fiction i was thinking about like goosebumps or i was thinking about yeah. like harry potter or what was that horrid henry yeah or yeah. like so for me like i think as a child the way um yeah fiction was introduced to me fantastical kind of, yeah it was fun yeah it was fancy um fantasy stuff it was it wasn't something that to take serious and I was just like obviously when you're in the midst of life and it's not pretty yeah. or great you're like what well, why are you wasting my time with yeah. zombies and yeah and yeah. ghosts and stuff and, and yeah wizards yeah yeah exactly so I, I had this really really warped perception of um fiction books um obviously that kind of changed I did read um what's her name Zadie Smith's um North Northwest mm. and that was the first fiction book that I was like yeah you know what this is actually really like this yeah. is okay like I, mean, I could really connect with um 
the way that she described Northwest London and like yeah. the, even the, the way that book is written it's just like it's interesting and phenomenal yeah I know you've got I should probably read the one that I got you for yeah <laughs> um what's it called again on beauty yeah on beauty I, that, to be honest by the way hands down the best cover on a book I have ever seen <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> it's it is art like that is, I know they say don't judge a book by its cover, but I'm sorry if it based when on I cover. When I saw that cover, alone, I was like, we're not getting that from the library. We're getting that. The for color real. palette on it is just yeah. immense. Like, let alone the detailing on the lettering and it's okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Anywho, but yeah, so can okay. I just say before you reveal your book? Yeah. Do you now see how fiction as a child probably is a good thing? Can you appreciate it? Yeah, I, I kind of. How, I, yeah, I do. I kind of. Do you know the premise of that? Like the reason why those genres exist for children. Yeah. Do what, you know why? Oh, oh, sorry. What the ghosts and ghouls and stuff? Yeah, or? it's basically an escape. It's for children to expand their imagination. Yeah. It's, it's something to just sink your teeth into and kind of go into this fantastical or completely imaginative world. Yeah, and particularly like as a child, me. you know, in terms of. A, child's brain and just how imagination is beaten out of us right yeah. where responsibility is beaten into us and, yeah, exactly yeah. and all that, that kind of thing and, right and for <laughs> exactly for some kids it happens too soon but i think the irony is that books might have just been the antidote yeah. because it's an it could have been an escape yeah so i think you know for kids that's why it's so important that that you know reading's an avenue to escape your your difficulties yeah, it's true, and I don't. I just wish somebody sh- like yeah, told me that sooner, or didn't show me goosebumps and showed me like something else, like yeah. Northwest or you. Were, well, we watched Noughts and Crosses on TV, and I was like, you know, this is based on a book, yeah, like a really famous book, and you're like, most yeah. of the stuff on TV is based. on I know, books, but, but Mallory like, Blackman yeah. is like, you know, that was a legendary book circulating at school and stuff. But yeah, I guess word to the wise, um, just. Be careful of how you in, like introduce books, fiction books, yeah. especially to to kids. kids. Yeah, try and find one that they can resonate with. I, I wish somebody tried yeah. a bit more with you, yeah. and I would have got it sooner. Well, it's um, not too late. Yeah, and I, What's I, your I, book? I will. But anyway, I will at some point read more fiction. Um, so the book that I have gone for instead, okay, um, is Touché. It's, it's not a classical fiction book. It's a poem, a uh, poetry book. Touche. It's Rupi Kaur. My guy, you've really come through. Yes. Um, Milk and Honey. This book I blasted through in one day and I was floored. I remember. Floored every single time I turned the page because I have never ever in my life heard somebody convey human emotions in such a small, like, and succinct way that because it, like, this woman is beyond talented. Yes. Like, it's just. It's scary how good this book is. And yeah. I know she's... I haven't finished reading the... I found the second one, like, even more... Flowing. I haven't finished it, because it, it, it was painful. I just remember you would read that, and you'd have your head in your hands, like, yo, this is... This is different. Like, I'm just like, how did she... It, like, because it's no more than... Like, in some cases, no more than, what, 10 lines? Yeah. And she's managed to just craft this image, and just... Yeah. It's, honestly, if you're like me in the camp that didn't really rate fiction, I, like, just... Start or even here. just thinks that poetry is really stuffy and yeah. pompous. This is not nah, that. this is this, is, this is legit. Like, yeah, I even yeah, I bought it from my sister as well. Like, just did you? Yeah, she's got her own copy, and then I've got the 
the sequel to this one is it sun, sun and, and flowers the sun and her flowers yeah i got that for you remember yeah <laughs> so yeah milk we, and honey this episode is just us rating each other for gifting <laughs> books <laughs> yeah that but yeah that sun and her flowers is just i found that really she went even more deeper and like, it's yeah. really tough and yeah especially going back to the um toxic masculinity episode yes. i feel like yes. these two this poetry kind books of confronting. Were, yeah because i remember when you were really struggling with that book you were like um and then i was like oh yeah no that's just a tuesday for me like yeah. i was just like oh yeah no i've been through that yeah it was just like oh that's normal yeah exactly like, yeah i think yeah. as a guy you this i would highly highly recommend you not to these. say not to undermine like she for me like that book really she she just personified she she created a world from from my mind like she took yeah she took my emotions and put them on page in terms of like what i've been through yeah but and, it, and it's not everything but yeah yeah i wish then, i could remember no, specific no, examples, it's not her books but, not everything I'm, yeah. I'm saying not everything in my mind is on page but her, her book is everything it's it's amazing yeah and there's like nice illustrations in there as well that kind of like help um <laughs> that help frame the world that she's created which she does herself by the way oh wow She's a good artist then. I think this is such an important book to have in hard copy. Don't get it on Kindle. Don't do not do any ebook type thing. Get this. I don't even know if it is on Kindle, but get it in hard copy because it's yeah. amazing. And a lot of it's just truth. Like I've just flicked open and it says three lines here. Uh, you must enter a relationship with yourself before anyone else. Mic drop. Yeah. Like, it's just like, <laughs> and it goes from like that's that's not even the best one in no, there, that's but not, it's yeah. just indicative. Scratch the surface. Yeah, like and it's just, I've, yeah, it's it's great, and it, I guess yeah. Let I think for the non-fiction people, let poetry be your yeah, that's your, your bridge nice. to fiction. Speaking of, um, I'm gonna sort of cheat because this is kind of a half book. What. <laughs> It literally is half the size. It's a tiny little thing. It's poetry. Yeah. Um, by Khalil Khalil uh, Gibran. I'm trying to say it right. Khalil Gibran. Um, it's called The Prophet, and it's it's a classic. And uh, this was, I okay. So I heard about this book through a friend, who, sadly, attended a funeral and said oh there was this poem read at the funeral that you might like or something like that and he sent it to me and I was floored I couldn't believe what I was reading um and then he gifted this to me this tiny little book isn't cute and um yeah so it's it's basically it's it's called the prophet and it's the story of a guy um oh there's a little intro here on Oh, sorry. I'm like trying to get to it. There's a guy who basically goes to this town and then he tells the people. He he's basically perceived as he's he's the prophet called Al Mustafa, and he goes to this town. It's kind of like a fable type, you know, story. And, and the people kind of ask him, okay, well, tell us about this and tell, tell us about marriage and tell us about kids and what do we do about, what do we do about joy and sorrow and what do we do about pain? What do we do about education? What do we do about working? Like, tell us the meaning of all of these kind of facets of life. And he, in, in one page, kind of says, oh, you know, this is what you do. So it's told through the eyes of this guy called Al Mustafa, who's the, 
the quote the prophet but it's Khalil Gibran who writes it does that make sense right so I'm gonna give like one example I'm literally just gonna flick randomly oh the marriage one mm. what was wrong no I'm just saying be close to me oh sorry so this is the one we we um had at our wedding yeah Do that Gina read that yeah Shall I read a little bit? So, you're born together, and together you shall be forevermore. You shall be together when the white wings of death scatter your days. A, you shall be together even in the silent memory of God. But let there be spaces in your togetherness, and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. Fill each other's cup, but drink not from one cup. Give one another of your bread, but eat not one. But eat not from the same loaf. Sing and dance together and be joyous, but let each other of you be alone, even as the strings of a lute are alone, though they quiver with the same music. Give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping, for only the hand of life can contain your hearts. And stand together, yet not too near together, for the pillars of the temple stand apart, and the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. That's literally the point. That's that's it on marriage, and then the next thing is on children. The next things, so ah, uh, such a great book, so poetic, like really, like this is part of like the life changing category for me, like um, in terms of oh, actually, they might yeah, actually this is gonna be this is gonna be my non fiction. Oh no, wait, what's the one we're doing? Fiction. This is gonna be my fic. No, it's not. This is going to be my half, my half, what's the word? Oh no, come on, keep it clear, <laughs> right. we're going to confuse people. We that's, said fiction. That's amazing, it's fiction. Sorry, I was getting confused. That's fiction, it's also sort of my life-changing book, but it's fiction. That's my fiction submission, followed by, this is this, uh-huh. yeah, 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 <laughs> followed by, okay, really, I can't, I kind of fucked it up, because I kind of want that one to be in my life-changing I kind of skipped ahead here, but I've literally got three books here for fiction and I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to decide. Okay, I'm just going to quickly run through it. <laughs> so I'm really torn, really, really torn between... 1984. 1984 by George Orwell and... Wait, for real? Is it actually there? Yeah. Oh my days, I said that to troll you and you're actually holding it? Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Well, you, why are you trying to troll me for? No, I Because you like, predicted it. No, I wasn't... I genuinely thought you was going to have some two other random books, but I didn't actually expect you to have 1984. I know, Because I was going to say it because I thought you would have forgotten about it. No, absolutely not. 1984 and John Steinbeck, East of Eden. Um, so I think people know about 1984 because it's, it's kind of, obviously, the concept of Big Brother is what sort of spawned the TV show and all this sort of stuff. It's this this idea that something's watching you. And I was so put off by that. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to read this. It sounds boring. And I'm so glad I did because it was sitting on my bookshelf for the longest time. It it floored me. I've never read a book where I was speechless for the longest time afterwards. Like it really stayed with me in a way that I can't describe. It It's not just, oh, that was a sick book. Do you know what I mean? It was like, whoa, like that was, that was Wait, can I ask trip. you a quick question? Because there's another book from George Orwell that you've read that I know you have. Um, don't don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like you're more triggered by the other one than Animal this Farm. one. Yeah. 
Animal Farm was just it wasn't triggering. It was just frustrating. No, you were angry. I sent you a as picture in, and at work, and you went nuts. As in frustrating. As in I saw I saw the writing. The writing was on the wall from the beginning of the book. In terms of it's it's an allegory for something. It it's basically this this sort of adventure or this um this journey of. You're getting me off topic, but basically that that was an amazing book. But it was just like, oh man, it's like the world we're living in. Like, damn, like he 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 perfectly described the the way we live, the way we live, and the system we're living in. Yeah. Whereas this was like, I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know where it was going. I knew the concept of living in under a big brother, under kind of surveillance state, and basically you're following this guy who's trying to navigate that. Um, and it's it's kind of a post it, it's kind of dystopian where um, there's a ministry of truth and then there's there's these concepts of like um, like basically a, a, it's freedom of speech is is non-existent um, and there's this guy who's kind of born into this world and he writes. He's a writer in the Ministry of Truth. Oh no, he's in the record department in the in the Ministry of Truth, um, and he he's basically tasked with rewriting the past to suit the needs of the party in power. But he and I'm just reading the blurb here. Yet he inwardly rebels against the totalitarian world he lives in, which demands absolute obedience and controls him through the all-seeing telescreens and the watchful eye of the Big Brother, symbolic head of the party. In his longing for truth and liberty, Smith begins a secret love affair with a fellow worker, Julia, but soon discovers the true piece of freedom is betrayal. I cannot recommend this book enough. I, like, I don't... Huh? Price or priest? What do you mean? The true price. Oh, okay. True price of freedom is... Please, please read this. It's a, it's amazing. I've never been so enthralled in something, like, just wrapped up in this world and really rooting for this guy and no, not knowing where it's going to go and... And it stuck with me the whole way through. I was, I was glued to the page, and then right, and then I fin- and then I closed the book, and I was like, I can't. What what did I just read? Like it was amazing. Such a such a trip. Such an amazing book to read. Oh, I cannot. Wait, tell. here's a question. So excited. Out yeah. of those two books, so 1984 and um, Animal Farm, do you think any of them could translate well onto the stage? I think 1984 is on the stage. Oh, okay, sorry. I think it has been. Yeah. Yeah, I think both of them have been. Yeah, no, I think they, they both have been. Yeah. Okay, fair. And then just quickly, John Steinbeck, East of Eden. So you might have heard of him because um, he wrote Of Mice of Men, yeah, which is which like a book that everyone read in school. <laughs> I didn't read that book in school, weirdly. Um, I read Lord of the Flies. I remember when there was that he, I think the N-word is in there and then like our oh, teacher really? had to ask us like, do we want to read it or not? Or Oh, damn. Yeah, and then the ending and him. It, I, that ending still stays with me. I haven't, don't getting, tell me, don't tell me I haven't read it. I can't believe I got to like all these years of life and I still haven't read it. And so I don't know what, someone dies maybe? Okay. Um, <laughs> don't, I'm not going to look at you to confirm or deny. So John Steinberg, East of Eden. I'm just going to read the blurb. So, it's apparently his most ambitious novel uh set in the rich farmland of salinas valley california this powerful often brutal novel follows the intertwined destinies of two families the trasks and the hamiltons whose generations helplessly reenact the fall of adam and eve and the poisonous rivalry of cain and abel here steinbeck 
created some of his most memorable characters and explored his most enduring themes. The mystery of identity, the inexplicable... Oh my god. Inexplicable. Inexplicable. Inexplicability. Oh wow, heavy. Telling me, yeah, exactly. Of love (laughs) and the murderous consequences of love's absence. It's... I know that it mentioned Adam and Eve. It it's not just that, but it's like it's amazing how he basically explores to your point about what does fiction do for me and the idea that you can derive meaning from these fictional characters, right? And you're exploring the human experience. What he explores is really deep themes of of love, of betrayal, of of dignity, of the self, of violence, of do you know what I'm saying? Like, kind of like the, the good and the evil aspects of humanity through all of these characters. Um, and it just, it feels like this, I don't know, just this really amazing experience where it doesn't, I, I felt like with 1984, it's almost like whiplash. Like I'm, I'm or almost like this like tension is building and you're like, oh my God, like what's going to happen? Whereas here it's like nothing, it's not that nothing happens in particular. There's a lot that happens, but it feels very, I don't know, like it just, it's just a different experience of, of almost just observing the, their life unfold and seeing what happens. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and yeah, so I read this when I was quite young actually, and I've, I've been meaning to read it again, sort of from an adult point of view. And this is one of those ones where everyone was saying it was a classic and I was only reading classics. Yeah. And I'm glad I picked this up. I'm glad I picked this rather than Pride of Prejudice, you know. So that was amazing. I'll stop waffling now. Okay, so the... Book that changed your life? Well, the actual book that changed my life is the Bible. But... <laughs> touche, touche. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying that as a joke. Genuinely, the, during t- um, Olympics 2012, um, they, I, I received this special edition. So it was um, the Gospel of Luke, but in a sports um, in a sports version. So the way it worked was, it was the, the Gospel of Luke, um, but there was like, inserted in between, there was like different stories of like how... Um, different sports people their life related to like some of the key themes that are explored in it yeah and what was great about it was it um like it helped me to reimagine like and re uh, like provided a new understanding of that specific gospel mm-hmm. but anywho enough about that it was that was genuinely the most like heartwarming life-changing i was like crying at the end of it oh wow I never, like experienced it in that way but because that's kind of a, it's not a cop out, but it's a bit of a cheat. Um, I'm gonna say a book that actually was life changing for me. Well, not was additionally life changing <laughs> for me, and it's Susan Cain Quiet, the okay. first one. Okay. Um. So she has a sequel called Quiet Power, but this one definitely. That was a very good book. Yeah. So it's Quiet. Um. By Susan Cain, and it's the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking funny enough we're talking right now but no genuinely i really loved this book because first i saw her ted talk and it really just opened my mind about how i felt about being introverted yeah so prior to that point it was like a bit of like shameful shameful thing thing. like a bit like you're you should be more extroverted you should be 
you know, like... You should get out more. Yeah, get out more, be more outgoing and all of that stuff. But up until it was her that I feel like um, took that shame away and allowed me to feel a bit more comfortable in my own skin. Um, Because I feel like the book essentially celebrates um, introversion and as whilst it's like unpacking it and like explaining what it actually is um so prior to that point i thought it was just shyness but i then grew like like uh grew uh grew is it i growed or like grew grew, grew sorry yeah, grew up <laughs> yeah no i grew to learn that yeah 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 um, you growed yeah sorry i got spanish <laughs> conjugation stuck in my head <laughs> Um, so, and like humble the, brag he's uh, he's so good at spanish now that it's confusing him with english not, oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no the way they approach words is is different um tell me more <laughs> i'm not gonna go into grammar right now but yeah it just um it helped me develop my understanding of introversion so yeah less about um your the shaming aspects from an extrovert's um, point exactly. of view, and more around the fact that it's just how we receive stimulation, and we don't necessarily we're already so highly stimulated that we don't need like big yeah. parties or, or all of that jazz. And and like, it's true for me. I feel like my mind is so big enough. I can I'm fine in my own company. Yeah, like I'm exactly. able to have a good time and laugh and and you've probably called me oh, a few times that's like, how I first got to I know can, you I was sitting at my desk at work and I was just hearing you cackling behind me I was like who is this guy like he barely talks in the office but I yeah I hear him cackling away I'm, and I turn her back and, and you're like as if nothing happened yeah I, I, I don't know I just generally I don't need that much I feel very low maintenance in that <laughs> regard yeah I can like I can just leave you here and yeah, like genuinely, I could go for a walk and my mind will, it, it can backfire sometimes. Yeah, exactly. But um, my mind is big enough, I feel, or like my imagination is, um, yeah, I just, I don't, yeah. It, it just really did help me to like regroup and maybe just stop approaching things from an extroverted mindset yeah. and stop looking down on myself and just reconfigure and, you know, appreciate myself a bit more. Yeah. And then I had this touching moment. So I finished reading the book in um, Regent's Park. So behind um, behind the... What's that museum where tourists go Don't and they shouldn't me. be going? Madame Tussauds. <laughs> okay. So behind Madame Tussauds is like a lake. And then I was sat by a bench. And then, in the, you know, like these last chapters, especially in these non-fiction books, are really like... I find them really tear-jerky. Because it's like you've been on a journey with this author. You've now discovered a part of yourself. And because they're like talking to you because it's non-fiction, um, it feels like you're, I don't know, like saying goodbye to like a friend or something. And it, cause, and it feels a bit more real because you know that it's them writing to you, the reader. Yeah, so as it, opposed to characters that yeah, you're exa- observing. Yeah. And yeah. It's, yeah, I wasn't observing this world. I'm actually learning from this person. It's like... Yeah. It's like, for example, saying goodbye to your form tutor in, in school. Like, I don't know about how it worked for you in, in in your secondary school, but we had, from year 7 to year 11, we had the same teacher. Um, So it was kind of like a master, like in like a martial arts sense. Like, yeah. So she um, is someone that I have, I hold in very high regard and I'm very grateful for her book. Um, i got to say, though, the sequel that she put out, I felt like it was more geared towards children. 
I think it's more geared that, towards yeah, parents. Gonna, it wasn't, right. yeah. That's I, how I was like halfway through, not halfway through, I was like halfway through the first chapter maybe. And I was like, oh no, this isn't yeah. working for me. <laughs> I didn't, admittedly, I didn't make it to the end of that one. No. But yeah, def- the, the first one, 100%. We'll keep it for if we ever have Nicholas. Yeah, I think I, I would love to revisit that if, if kids come into our life. Like, yeah. But right now, that, that wasn't the one for me that, the first one yeah yeah the first one's for you guys yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah that's my awesome life-changing book other than the gospel of luke awesome you're so happy with yourself pat yourself on the back well, i'm scratching my head all oh, right <laughs> okay should i do my one yeah um so i was kind of torn between this one and the prophet actually uh i would say the prophet was life-changing in a sense that it it's almost like a the meaning of life in some ways it mm. it provides like a a blueprint of how to approach life um so that was really impactful um but i think the most i guess and this was perhaps not as relevant to a lot of people but it was very life changing for me um is a book called educated by tara westover and this is a book that came out kind of recently, I'd say, last couple of years. I'm just checking to see. I have to get through all the all the pages of, of <laughs> testimonies and, um, yeah, 2018. Okay, so I'm just going to read the blurb. So Tara Westover, Westover and her family grew up preparing for the end of days, but according to the government, she didn't exist. She hadn't been registered for a birth certificate. She had no school records because she'd never set foot in a classroom and no medical records because because her father didn't believe in hospitals. As she grew older, her father became more radical and her brother more violent. At 16, Tara knew she had to leave home. In doing so, she discovered both the transformative power of education and the price she had to pay for it. Um, This is an amazing book. It changed my life because it's... It was some a book that I didn't realize I would relate to so as much as I did. Um, and kind of without going into painstaking detail, the the idea of of having of being raised in a way where there is there is certain ways we do things or there's certain things we believe in, and there isn't really interrogation as to why or critical analysis of you know why we do the things we do or why we believe the things we believe it's just kind of this is just what it is and I can completely relate to this you know this child who is just kind of trying to navigate two worlds of you know this is how we do things and then being confronted with almost like the outside world or how other people how other people live or how other people behave or and and trying to kind of come into your own um and deciding what that means for your relationships within within your family within your the structures that you've always known and and then you know your relationships with the outside world does that make sense yeah um so it's it's it was really empowering for me to read about somebody who who like who I could relate to in that sense 
And she really provided a context for me to make sense of my own past and my own life. And for me to also make peace with my life in that sense. So she provided that for me. Um, whilst I was already trying to kind of do the work in that way, she really kind of pushed this book, put a stamp in that of like, you know, you're on the right, you, this is, this is what I did. And, and, you know, you're right, you're, you're okay for feeling how you feel and you're okay for kind of grappling with this and for trying to decide what the next move is for you. And this is how I kind of did it. You know, this is, this is sort of what, what I got from it is her sort of speaking to me in that way. And then aside from that, this book is just incredible and highly, highly recommend you read it simply because it's an it's just an impossible story. <laughs> the fact that this girl, you know, so we I can relate to her in some ways, and then and then her life is just completely unimaginably unimaginably, you know, remarkable in in other ways. You know, she grew up in this end of days environment where they would can peaches because every year they thought it was 20 it was two you know um the two you know what's it called 2k do you remember like the 2000 when they thought the world was gonna that was it y2k so they kept thinking it was y2k every year and like and then and then and then her dad never let them go to hospital and her and her brothers would deal with like really like massive injuries. Like her brother got burnt all on his leg. She, she, I think she broke her wrist. Um, then her family never let the kids go to school or well, they did for the older siblings. By the time they got to her, she was the youngest of all of them. They never let them, the younger ones go to school. So they would just work on the junkyard with their dad and they'd get into like like really serious accidents on this junkyard dealing with metal and scrap and, you know, all this kind of stuff and never being able to go to the hospital and dealing with like these like herbal ointments and tinctures that her mum would make. She like assisted in home births because her mum was like this makeshift midwife and oh my God, like this, the life she led like was just mind-blowing that she even survived it that was that was the thing and 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 then she didn't get a scrap of education it was all self-taught and then she just somehow felt like okay she just somehow was inspired to to try and learn some maths and she somehow you know thrived got got through into education like by by fluke and by chance and by hard work like all of these different kinds of this is I don't know, there's just like an alchemy to her life that can't be explained, you know? Um, just how she somehow felt that that was, that was an option for her despite her experiences. And without spoiling it, because I don't know, like part of me, it, it's kind of well known. Um, but she, she ended up getting a PhD in Cambridge. <laughs> so like, I haven't, even expri- I haven't even explained the extent, the full extent of how difficult her life was. And the fact that she got a PhD in Cambridge and she now lives in Cambridge. She's from Idaho, I think. And, you know, this is, her life is just remarkable. I, like, that's the only word I can think of, you know? Just, and then, so it's kind of this really inspirational story. And then weaved into that is her trying to kind of make sense of herself and her independence and, and what and who she is trying to forge her own identity and in that sense that was something I could really relate to and it was very poignant that I read this at the time I did because I think if I'd read it two years ago or 
um, I guess when it first came out, I probably wouldn't have been ready for it. So I think in that sense, it was life-changing. There is a lot of like, um, that whole notion of being in the right place Absolutely. and where you are in your life. Like that seems to be like a constant theme. Like I guarantee there's a few of these books. Like if I was to read quiet when I was a child, I probably wouldn't have like believed it, believed it. Yeah. Or it would have been way over my head. Like this is, yeah. If I had read this when I wasn't in the right state, uh, when, when it probably was most relevant, not most relevant, it's still relevant to me, but in the sense of when it was all kind of kicking off, mm. I would have felt like, um, well, that's her story. I don't know what, I don't, I'm, I'm not in the same boat. Almost like, well, that's what she did, but I can't, I, that's, I can't do that. You know, because I would have separated myself from her in the sense of, oh, well, she went to Cambridge, so that's not relevant to me. Yeah. Whereas now I can think of the things that are so, that are so relevant to me and, and how we are, how I could really, I could really see myself having a coffee with her and being able to really bond on so many different, so many more aspects than I, than I actually anticipated when I first went into the book. Because yeah. I was expecting to read a book about... Um, her remarkable story and then her estrangement with her family and what I didn't expect was just how much of her upbringing was so um in terms of the the kind of sentiments and the the ways in which families and cultures kind of embed certain things within your life that you don't even question does that make sense so I think in that sense, I wouldn't, I, I didn't know that that's what was coming. And I can't believe, I'm so grateful that I read it. And I, I, I just, yeah, I think it's a book that I'll, that I'll keep coming back to as inspiration because of what she ended up doing with her life, but also because of how she, how she made peace with her life. And I think that's, that's the kind of work that I'm trying to do, yeah. which is amazing. Okay. Well, Yay! so we did it. We did it. We did it. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel good. I feel like I should read a bit more. Would you be open to fiction if I suggested some to you? Would you? Are you interested in any of of the fiction I just said? Well, I want to read on beauty. Okay, I haven't read it yet, so yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot that I need to read, but yeah, I I am very aware. Well, you're not interested in the ones I just said. Well, yeah, the 1984. Ni- I, I need East to, of Eden. 1984. I definitely want to read, and George you, Orwell's. Um, your mind will be blown. Animal Farm. 1984 is so up your street. It's it's actually funny. I'm low key scared of reading that book. That's the reason I was why too. I haven't read it. I was too, and I'm so grateful I did. Yeah, it's incredible. Because yeah, yeah, Tom, you have to. I will read them. I will. I don't want you to read it on audiobook either. I want I, you to read I it. I like. Audio. Can we just quickly talk about this? I like audiobooks. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that there's some books that I want, that you want to like immerse yourself in. I feel like audiobooks is, rightly so, more passive. It's something that you can listen to whilst you're doing other bits and bobs. Yeah. Whereas I want I want some books to be something that I'm really like curling up on the sofa and like getting into, mm-hmm. and I feel like. I guess non-fiction's probably better placed in audiobooks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Enough. Anywho, I, should, I guess we should probably leave it. Okay. Um, he's, that was, he's done. No, I'm not done. I'm just conscious of how the, <laughs> okay. the team. But yeah, I've, yeah, that was good. I've felt like I've learnt 
a lot about each other actually oh really yeah what have you learned no just like that as i said there before like it's amazing how if you're in a different where you are in your life like has an effect on how you receive a book um like because obviously i feel like you were linking a lot of it to like your how yeah. you felt in different time periods and stuff and and i guess yeah i think that just goes to show that what works for somebody may not necessarily work for somebody else or yeah you might have to have experienced x y and z to really connect with it and i guess that's kind of the beauty of books and the reason like and it makes me appreciate the the huge range that the human races seem to have amassed over yeah it's ridiculous like i don't think there's a library big enough to hold all the books that exist not not to mention all the ones to come so yeah, I, I've grown in my appreciation of of, of reading um, yeah. throughout this past podcast. Amazing. Um, Hopefully have... someone has, you know, taken something from this. I feel like you and I come, come to reading from different angles. Yeah. And hopefully whoever's listening to this can take something from it. There's hopefully something here for you. If not, you know, if not, just one book would do, you know, mm. whether it's the fiction ones or the poetry or the nonfiction. Hopefully there's something there. Anywho, guys, well, thank you very much for listening. Um, this episode has been recorded with parametric EQs. What the hell are you talking And about? other technical terms. Hopefully the sound will sound a bit more brighter and a bit more rich. And I'm really excited because our next episode will have new tech and equipment coming oh, in. Oh, yeah, should we say? So this is our last episode of the season. Well, yeah, we're just going to take a quick mini break for like a month. See how I said season basically yeah. means but. We're gonna get our ish together. And yeah, come we just back need to September. do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, so it's not a. We've ordered some microphone arms. Yeah, it's not that we're too <laughs> tired. Like I've already, we could like keep it going a week, yeah. but we want to like just take stock and stuff and try and get a schedule in place. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll see you guys in a month's time, I guess, from your perspective. But we'll still be recording in between that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, thank you for listening and thank you for joining us on all of the things. Thank you so much, Tom, for this conversation. And see you in September. Yeah. See you guys. Bye. Bye.